a dear friend. I tell you, I've heard it said through the years that, that if you're married, one of the keys to successful marriage is to have uh, laughter in your in your marriage. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I also believe as a pastor that laughter is a good thing for the pastor and the church to enjoy. I don't mean laughing all the time because you don't laugh all the time in marriage, do you? If you're those of you that are married, but I sure appreciate brother Josh. And this is actually the first time that I've been able to be here since he, y'all called him as your pastor and I'm such so relieved. And I was rejoicing so much to hear that y'all had done that. I know you miss brother Sam and I do too. I certainly believe brother Sam is doing what the Lord wants him to do. And I believe the Lord uh, burdened you all to do what he was calling you to do, which is to call brother Josh and um, I rejoice in that. And he's such a wonderful brother. I told him I don't apologize for crying and kind of getting emotional because I've been listening to him over the last two or three weeks, and I think three weeks in a row he's been crying. So if y'all think that's strange, you'd think he's strange, right? So, but I, no doubt I probably cried more than he did, so look much more foolish than, than I'm sure that we look when we do that. But uh, certainly feel at home. If I didn't feel at home and feel the blessing of the Spirit, you, you wouldn't see me hardly bat an eye. So I feel at home with you, and it's a blessing uh, to feel that way and to be back with you and to see so many familiar faces and some new faces. It's just a great blessing. If you would, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Exodus, the second chapter, I want to begin reading in verse 23, read a couple verses there, and then we're going to turn to Exodus, the sixth chapter, and then we're going to go to a final resting point, I believe. And I want to speak to you as you're turning there. We're going to speak about this. They sighed, they cried, and he heard on high. They sighed, they cried, and he heard on high. If you'll read with me the word of God in Exodus 2 and 23. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Now watch this language carefully. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel. And God had respect unto them. It's worth pointing out before we turn to the next portion of Scripture to read that this events, these events that are described here were after Moses had fled. So this is the king that sought to kill Moses, the Pharaoh. And then after Moses fled, and y'all remember how many years he was gone? He was gone for 40 years. Sometime in that intervening 40 years, that king died. Now this was that king that I believe, or else his son or his grandson, that, that did not remember Joseph from the previous years as the children of Israel began to grow. And if you're wondering, what was the reason for their sighing and their crying? Of course, it says by reason of the bondage. But if you'll recall in the previous chapter one and the early parts of chapter two, this is when the, the, the regime, the tyrannical regime sought to uh, cleanse the land, if you will, of Jews, of the Israelites. So there was, an, there was an ethnic cleansing going on there. Uh, they were trying to obliterate even the existence of the Israelites. Okay? They saw them as a threat. 
They saw them as less than human. And by the way, that's how it always goes. That's how it always goes. When a society or a culture begins to see another group in society or culture as less than human, that's when they get the idea that, well, we'll just eradicate them. That happened uh, whenever the uh, slavery was such uh, such rampaging through the world and ultimately you, you, it led to catastrophic events like the Civil War. What happened in Africa and among the slave traders is they viewed the Africans as less than human. Okay, seven million Jews slaughtered and murdered in the days of the regime of the totalitarian government of Hitler. It's because they viewed the Jews as less than human. Okay, you say, wow, that's terrible. It's still going on today because they tell you that a baby in the womb is not a human. That's a whole class of society, 63 million. And you say, you say that a lot, Brother Tim. I say that a lot because it's, it's horrific <laughs> and God hates it. 63 million that you hear it, the so-called experts say, well, they're not human. You know, they're just in the womb. They're not human yet. And nothing could be further from the truth. So if you want an up-to-date, touchable uh, example of what we're talking about here, this is why they sighed and they cried and God heard on high. Now, I think it's very important to point out here also what God remembered when he heard their, their crying. It says in verse 24 that God heard their groaning, their sighs and their cries, and God remembered what? His covenant. Let that stick in your mind as we turn to Exodus 6. And this is inter interaction between Moses and God. I want you to notice God expressing his mind to Moses about how God feels. In Exodus 6 and 1, the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. I love this kind of language. It almost sounds like what I would call you know, John Wayne type language. <laughs> I'm not saying John God, God is like John Wayne. He is not. But this is very you know, Duke-like language where he just says, I'm fixing to do this and it's going to get done. He doesn't say, I'm going to go down there and beg and plead with those folks and maybe they'll come out. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll accept me as their God. You don't have a God like that. If he wants to do it, he does it. He wants to save you, he saves you. God says to Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. Notice the shalls. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my, by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. This is a new thing for the people of God. You remember Moses said, who shall I tell them sent me? And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And watch carefully. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will, you notice the emphasis, I will bring you into the, in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. That's some very good reading, isn't it? 
I'm not saying I read it good, but it's some very interesting and, and, and very amazing reading. But I want you to notice that it says in Exodus 2, God heard their sighs. He heard their cries. He heard on high. And his mental process, if that's a good way to put it, the greatest mind, the, the only perfect mind, focused in on one thing when he heard the sighs and he heard the cries. He focused in on his covenant. Okay, turn to Romans the 8th chapter. He said, I thought you were going to let us off the hook from another Romans 8, 28 uh, sermon, Brother Tim. Not tonight, maybe another time. I kind of threw you off there, didn't you? Now we're going to Romans 8. And I believe, I don't just believe this, I'm, I'm certain of it. But I believe when the Apostle Paul was directed of the Holy Spirit to write Romans the 8th chapter, I believe this is the New Testament equivalent of what we just read in the Old Testament about the children of Israel in bondage. I'm going to prove that to you. Okay? Remember, they sighed, they cried, he heard on high, and he remembered his covenant. Read with me, and if you'll grant me just a little bit of liberty here as we read, I'm going to make it real personal. I often do this when I study the Scripture because I believe the Scripture applies to us as saints of God. But I'm going to make this real personal for me. You are free to make it real personal for you if you like. Let's begin reading in verse 18. Romans 8 and 18. For I reckon, Paul says, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us in Tim. For Tim's earnest expectation of his body, his creature, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God to appear as a perfect, holy son of God with no sin. That's my desire. For Tim's body, Tim's old man, Tim's flesh was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, because in the new birth, the Lord didn't ask for my permission. The Lord took over me and borned me again. I didn't ask him into my heart because that's not how God works. God took over like he did the Apostle Paul, like he did David in the womb, uh, David as a toddler, like he did John the Baptist in the womb. God borns again by his own operative will. So my flesh was made subject to a conflict because God touched me. I didn't, it was not willing on my part, but by reason of God, him who has subjected my flesh in hope. Because the creature, Tim's body, Tim's flesh, the creature itself also, my own body shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You remember what we read in Exodus and 2 at Exodus 6? What were they in over there? Y'all aren't asleep, are you? They were in bondage. Does it sound familiar? I have a desire to be made free from my flesh that afflicts me on a day-to-day -day basis. For Tim knows that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Notice the first sigh right there. That's what a groan is. It's a sigh. The, the, the world is groaning, child of God, to be put out of its misery. The hurricane that is barreling in from across the southeast is a, is a groaning of this world. Put it down. Put it out of its misery. The earthquakes 
the, the tsunamis, the, tr- the, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, fill in the blank. Those are the groanings, the tectonic plate shift and an earthquake happens and people get shaken all around. The earth is groaning to be put out of its misery. And praise be to God, one day it will be. You know, global warming, by the way, I read a, there's some new evidence coming out now that they, they, as we all knew as children of God, that they missed the whole point when it came to global warming. You know, they're saying now there's some literature coming out now from some scientists that say that there's actually ice appearing in different places. They never dreamed that it would appear. So we're going to get back into us freezing the world now at some point. You know, they did that in the 70s. Now, no joke. Time magazine said in the 70s we were going to freeze the world if we didn't stop doing what we're doing. And now the experts say in the 80s, 90s and the 2000s that we're going to burn up the world if we don't stop what we're doing. And now they're going to flip flop back to that because they are looking at things without the lens of the spirit of God. You see, and I don't say that as a rant, as, that I'm angry. I'm not angry. I just want you to know you need to praise God that you don't see it that way. Every time the hurricane comes through, the tornado comes through, the earthquake comes through, the earth is just saying, oh, please end this. <laughs> and I say the same thing. If you think this, if you say, well, whoa, Brother Tim, we've got ice cream. <laughs> Brother Buddy was talking about the cookies and cream downstairs. It's the best thing you'll get down here. I missed it, but I already tried something else. But We got apple pie. Y'all have never eaten the best apple pie in the world because you had not had mamas. You know, we got baseball. I don't care for baseball. We got football. I love football. Oh, if the Lord comes back, I won't get to watch my son as a senior this year at Gordo. Praise God. I almost had a heart attack last night watching him. <laughs> you don't have anything that goes on in this world that is more important than the resurrection and the ending of this terrible situation we're in here in the world. You say, well, I wanted to see the next election if it might go my way. I counted up. I've, I've voted. Let's see, I think I voted in five elections now. That's telling how old I am. And I was like, man, I'm only like, I'm two and three in elections. I've won two and lost three. And the way things look going, like they're going, I'm probably going to lose them for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not overly concerned about the next election. Yeah, I'm concerned about issues and so forth. I'd be a fool not to be. But I'm not overly concerned because I know that the one who looks upon a groaning earth, when he says, boys, it's time to go, mount up, that's going to be beautiful. And this old groaning world is going to be laid down out of its misery. We'll have, you say, where will we be? New heavens and a new earth. (laughs) Wherein dwelleth righteousness. God's not going to reform this earth. He's going to have a new heavens and a new earth. You say, what does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds great. (laughs) For we know, do you know, that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only the creation, but me also, (laughs) brother Tim also, who has the first fruits of the spirit. I've got the spirit of God in my heart. Even Tim groans within himself. What am I waiting for? What am I groaning about? What am I sighing for? For the adoption of this body, the redemption of this old sin-cursed body. For Tim is saved by hope that confident expectation of deliverance from the sin-cursed body and the sin-cursed earth. But hope that is, not, that is seen is not hope. 
For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? Is that circular language? No, this is what he's saying. This is how I get it. We played in a football game last night. And leading up to that game, we hoped we would win. And so at the beginning of the week, the coaches just said, boys, I'm going to let you off all week. Go on to the house. You, you know, We hope we'll win. It'll get us through. It's a little hope. We'll get through it. They practiced their brains out. <laughs> they exhausted themselves practicing all week, getting ready for the game because they had a confident expectation they were going to win. Praise God, they did. <laughs> but you didn't know going into it. They didn't know. They had to make preparations. They had to get themselves ready, you see. This is not some flimsy, oh, boy, I hope we win. <laughs> this is I'm confident in what the Lord has done that we will win, not because we're making preparations and making ourselves righteous before the Lord, but because the Lord Jesus Christ was righteous. You see, it's not like the football game getting ready for it, and maybe we'll pull it out. <laughs> no, Jesus has already won it. He's already, he's already defeated the foe on the field. That's a confident expectation because of it's based in and rooted in what the Lord has already done. And I'm saved by that, child of God. I'm saved by that because it's not on me. My salvation is not on me. It's on the Lord, and he bore it. <laughs> but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth. Why doth he yet hope for it? But if Tim hopes for that which he cannot see, then Tim will wait with patience for it. Is that too personal for you? Likewise, listen. Remember what I told you? They sighed. They cried. And he heard on high. We've already seen where the creation sighs and groans. And then we see in verse 23 where Tim groans within himself, sighs within himself. For what? Deliverance from captivity. Deliverance from Egypt, the Egypt of this world. The Egypt of the world of my sin within me. <laughs> Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth my infirmities. For I know not what I should pray for as I ought. Have you ever been there? But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for me with groanings, sighs, which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the, the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. That's the Father, by the way. You can prove that by looking in the Old Testament. There's a reference in the Old Testament that speaks to the one that searches the hearts. It's the Father. So you got the Father who knows the mind of the Spirit because the Father makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Well, hmm, I wonder what that could be. When God hears me groaning, when God sees the creation groaning, whenever God hears my sigh for deliverance, I wonder what the Spirit makes intercession for. Are you with me? Are you at verse 27? Are we on the precipice here of what we've been talking about today? What does the Spirit say to the Father? And what does the Father say to the Son and the Spirit? What is it that goes on in the Godhead when they hear you sigh and they hear me sigh, they hear us cry? It says they make intercession. That means to pass between. It says that they remember something. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I suppose this is talking about what the Spirit is doing in making intercession, right? I suppose this is talking about what the Father is doing when the Spirit is in perfect mind with the Father. Well, who else could be involved here? I think you've already figured that one out. There's one called the Son of God, Jesus. And what are they thinking about? What are they focusing on? What's the mind process of God when He hears me groan, when He hears me sigh, and I look up on high? What is the, the process? It says that we know... <laughs> I, Tim, I know 
that all things work together for good to me because God loved me and I love Him because He first loved me. To me, who is one of the called according to His purpose for the Spirit making intercession and whispering its covenant. God remembers the covenant. And what is the covenant? Whom He did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And moreover, whom He predestinated, them He called. And them He called, He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Let me make it, I meant to make it personal and I forgot. Let me go back and read it again. For Tim He did foreknow. And for Tim, he did predestinate. And for Tim, he did call. And Tim, he justified on the cross. And Tim, he glorified. He will glorify one day. That's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm groaning for. That's what I'm wishing for. And when I cry out to the Lord for deliverance, and when this world, the very world, cries out to be put out of its misery, the Spirit is making intercession, and it is remembering the covenant of God. Is that good enough for you? Are you satisfied? Because there can be no question that that is a parallel to what you read over in the book of Exodus, the second chapter. The children of Israel were in bondage. The children of Israel sighed because of the bondage. They cried out and groaned to God. And God in His mercy, God in His, in His amazing grace heard their cries, heard their sighs. And it says His thought process went directly to the covenant that He made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And He said, I will deliver them. Isn't that beautiful? In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul lays before us this beautiful picture of the groaning of the children of God. I identify with my own groaning in this particular portion of Scripture. And here I see the Lord, the Lord is telling me through the Apostle Paul that when he hears my sigh and he hears my cry and he hears the world groaning, that he remembers his covenant. That's something, isn't it? Now let me tell you, as a side note, what he doesn't think about. What, what, what is not going on in that thought process? He's not thinking, I'm so glad I put him in that situation. Did God put the children of Israel in the situation they were in? Did he cause Pharaoh to do the evil things that he did to them? Absolutely not. It goes back to what we talked about this afternoon. If you stop at that first question, you'll never see the glory of God. You won't see it. You see? The children of Israel cried and sighed, and God heard, and he remembered the covenant. Child of God, when you sigh and when you cry, I want you to know that he hears on high, and he remembers the covenant. Now, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, if God be for Tim, if God be for me, who can be against me? That's a lot. That's a loaded verse right there when you personalize that. You know, it doesn't mean when well, I can go out and do whatever I want to do. Anybody that sees that would never do that. <laughs> if you see the truth of that, you don't want to do anything bad. You know, to think about what God did for you and then to go out and say, okay, thumb my nose at it and just, you know, I don't have any comfort for that person at all. <laughs> it's not a license to commit sin. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul addressed that and said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. So I say to myself, God forbid that I would continue in sin. God forbid that I wouldn't repent. God forbid that I wouldn't confess that thing that I did. Or God forbid that I would have such a hard heart that I would let that take over my emotions in my life. God forbid that because look at what God did for me. You know, I have this particular, I may have shared this with you before. 
but I have this particular sigh that my wife knows. <laughs> you know, I have some, I've been running and I'm, oh, oh man, I'm out of breath. <laughs> you know, that's not much to that one. That's my own fault. <laughs> and then I have that burden sigh. You know, and she's the one where she, when I do it, she says, what's wrong? That's a perceptive wife right there, you know. I love my wife. She's so perceptive. And, of course, I usually say, nothing. <laughs> we'll keep talking until she finally get it out of me, you know, and then we'll, I should have told her in the first place, you know. But when you get that particular burden laid on your heart, maybe it's something you did, maybe it's something you're facing, maybe, maybe you've been watching too much Fox or CNN. I turn it on and I go, oh. turn it off. Ignorance is bliss <laughs> in some ways. I'm not saying don't know in nothing, although it would be a great blessing to go through the rest of your life and know very little about what's going on in the world and the national scene. You understand there's been centuries and centuries that have passed where people li lived and died and never knew what was going on in the world scene. And yet here with a little click of a button, we can find out what's just hit China or what's going on in the Middle East. Or we can find it all out. And just like that, I tell you, it's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And I'm not saying being ignorant in the sense of you don't know the issues, you don't know what's going on, you don't vote, you don't, you're not concerned with politics. But an over, if you go too far with that, then it's going to consume you. I know people for the last year and a half, and I know Brother Josh can verify this. Any preacher can verify this. I'm, I'm in contact with people that are on all ends of the spectrum. There's people over here that are so mad you know, that they want to storm the Capitol and take over the government. I'm, I'm not talking about the people that tried to do that. <laughs> I mean, I know people that are, they're all wanting to get up in arms. And then I got people over here on one side that think, well, all of this that's going on is just a conspiracy, you know. And then there's all kind of things in between. I mean, it's like a new thing comes up every day, boom. And it's like, it's like you know, trying to put your finger in this, in this great big, huge dam that's holding back the water and it's like 10,000 leaks. You ain't got enough fingers to put in. I mean, there's just no way. It's just overwhelming. And so I go home and I go, <sighs> and my wife goes, what's wrong? She usually already knows what's wrong. Okay, it says that that's a sigh. That's a groaning. And when I do that, and it's truly a burden, it says the Lord hears on high. And the Lord does some sighing. And the Lord does some groaning. Now, I don't know. It says groanings which cannot be uttered. I don't know exactly what that means. But I do know that that is a heavenly language right there. And I don't know exactly what it sounds like, although I read in Revelation that sometimes when the Lord speaks, it's like the sound of, of many waters. I've been to the beach. I hear the many waters, you know, and I've heard waterfalls. I don't know exactly what it sounds like. That's how John described it. But I do know this. The substance of what the Spirit is groaning can be read right here in Romans 8 chapter. We've already read it. So just get this picture as we close. Uh, I've kept you too long this afternoon. I'm not going to keep you too long tonight, I hope. I'm sure you all have heard that many times from lying preachers. So I'm, I'm going to try not to be a lying preacher. But get this picture. The Godhead in heaven, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And there's little old nobody Tim down on this earth who doesn't have any influence in Washington, D.C., who doesn't know anybody that works for the CDC, who doesn't usually have a clue, who doesn't usually have a clue about hardly anything. And he often feels dismay and lost and distressed 
and burdened and thinking, when is all of this mess just going to be over? When is this bondage going to be gone? Can you, can you picture yourself there? And you begin to hang your head down and you just start thinking, mm, mm, mm. the Godhead in heaven. You think God had more to do than to focus on little old me or little old you. Isn't that beautiful that he, he does? The Godhead in heaven, I can just picture it. The Father, the Son, you can just picture the Father sitting there in the throne room or the Son on the throne in all of His regal splendor and all of His glory and the holy, holy, holies are being cast about by the cherubim and the, the seraphim are, are, are gathering around and the, and the elders are there. Whatever image that we get out of the book of Revelation, you can just imagine. That's the throne room, guys. That is the throne room of heaven. There's so much going on there. And all of it is focused on the glory of God because that's what heaven is. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the successful, risen, reigning, and returning Savior. And all of that regal splendor is going on there and all of the pomp and circumstance of God in heaven and all of the, the, uh, the crowns that are cast down at His feet because He's worthy and all of that is going on. And then the Lord hears a little groan from some little nobody down there and the Spirit begins to, begins to whisper. He makes groanings. I don't know exactly what it sounds like, but I can tell you what it says. The Spirit whispers to the Father in the midst of all of that going on. And He said, we got, we got, a, we got a groaning alert. We got a sigh alert. Remember, this is, this is Tim. This is Josh. This is Chris. This is fill in your blank. Fill in whoever you are. This is Brother Mark. He's foreknown. He's predestinated. He's called. Remember, you justified him on the cross. You shed his blood for him. We're going to go get him real soon. Is that not amazing? The Spirit is whispering the covenant to the Father. And you know, I remember, remember I told you the Father makes intercession. The Spirit makes intercession. Praise be to God. It says, uh, it says in verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. <laughs> now, let me just ask you this. As we've gone through this, and as I close in one minute, <laughs> what part of, what I, that, of that which I have shared to you, whether it was this afternoon or tonight, what part of the all things that we have talked about points you to this world? Nothing. Nothing. We know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called. Do you believe? I believe with all of my heart that God intended for us to know that the things that he's doing for us are away from this world. He in the covenant of grace before the foundation of the world. Oh, goodness, I've heard it so many times when a preacher would get up at a funeral, there'd been a, a tragedy, and they'd say, well, we know all things work together for good. You know, there's something we'll figure out in this tragedy. There's something we'll be able to see that happened here that God was doing, and they never see it. And many times they resent God because they don't understand what God is really doing for them. I tell you, I've preached it many a sermon, and I've preached from verse 28 and on down to verse 29 and verse 30, and not in an angry or a mean-spirited way, but in a comforting way to say, listen, this is what God is doing. When your loved one died, whenever they, they, they breathed their last, because of the covenant, God heard the last breath. And because of the covenant, the foreknowing, the predestinating, the calling, the justifying, the glorifying, he had the last say. <laughs> and you're going to see him again. I hope 
that if, whether you realize it or not, if there's anything that we've accomplished here today in talking about these two different subjects, maybe just for a little while, we've looked away from the world. I believe with all of my heart that was the intent of Romans 8.28. Look away from the world. Don't try to figure out the tragedies. You'll go crazy trying to figure out, did God do this? Did God do that? How did, how was this happening? We're not, we believe in providence, right? It's just not verse 28 that proves it. <laughs> we believe in providence. <laughs> I tell you, you won't find anybody that believes in more providence than me. Just two or three weeks ago, we were moving my daughter into a, a, a brand new apartment complex in Jackson, Mississippi, which I, I'm not happy with Jackson. I'm not crazy about Jackson. But we're moving her in there so she can go to law school. And so on the fourth floor, which is a safer area up high, dads, remember that? Up The further up you go, the harder it is for the intruder to get up there. <laughs> and so, you know, don't worry about her. She's packing in the car. She's packing in the purse. She's packing in the room. So don't mess with her. But anyway, so my wife said, I just wish she knew somebody on this floor. I just wish she knew somebody on this fourth floor. I said, yeah, you know, I do too. That was Monday. On Tuesday, I'm sitting at the... Greek restaurant, eating a good meal, and I get a text from Sister uh, Becky Sanders. She says, hey, Brother Tim, you moving your daughter into such and such complex over there in Jackson, Mississippi? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, isn't that funny? My daughter's moving into room 403. I believe in the providence of God. <laughs> but Romans 8.28 is not a timely providence verse. It doesn't apply to the tragedies, the trials, the troubles, and the tribulations. It points us away from those things. And it tells you, when you sigh, when you cry, He hears on high. And the Spirit is whispering. That's one of ours. We foreknew them. We predestinate them. They're going to be with us. We've called them. We've borne them again. That's one that the blood was shed for right there, justified. And we're going to go get them one day. Isn't that great? <laughs> so keep on sighing. And keep on crying. I can assure you, child of God, that he hears on high. May the Lord bless you. Sorry I went three minutes, two minutes over. <laughs> Let's stand and sing number 145. I know. 